So Pastor Jim asked me a few months ago if I would preach on Palm Sunday because he would be out of town. And um, I don't know if you all were here a few years ago. You may have missed that, that Sunday or maybe you weren't here yet. But I preached a message from the book of Daniel, chapter 9. And um, we're going to see how the book of Daniel prophesies of Jesus coming as king on Palm Sunday. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty incredible. But the book of Daniel was written, uh, most scholars, even the most critical of scholars, say that the book of Daniel was written, it had to have been written around 200 B.C. Even at 200 B.C., the numbers that line up in this are absolutely impossible unless it was written and inspired by God himself. And so we're going to look at that here this morning, and it's going to lead into the triumphal entry. Uh, Remember that date that I told you? March 30th, 33 AD. I realize it's not March 30th today, but I want that date to stick in your mind. And so uh, we're going to look at point number one. We're going to be seeing all day today that Jesus is king. And number one on your outline is the prophecy. Uh, I'm going to read this to you, and I left enough room on your bulletin, I hope, for you to take some notes. And I went ahead and added some slides and proclaimed this morning. Just just so that you can see how amazing the Word of God is and and how accurately it predicts uh, things to come. And so we're going to be reading Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 26. And it says here, Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. So how many weeks? Seventy. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. The holy city being Jerusalem. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, Messiah who? The prince. That's an important title because they could have used anything else there. They could have used anything else there. God could have wrote in his scripture any other word to describe the glory and majesty of Jesus. But instead it uses Messiah the prince, indicating kingship, lordship. There shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times, And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince, somebody say prince, who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war. Desolations are determined. So I want to break this down for you because you may think, like, this doesn't make any sense for Palm Sunday. (laughs) But let me, let me try to, to break this down. I literally spent weeks working on this, and I lost all my notes for it, <laughs> all of them. I looked it up online, and there was a, a gap where we switched from the old podcast to the new one, and the, the message that I preached on here was erased somehow. <laughs> I couldn't find it at all. And so I asked Kayla. She always takes really good notes, and she, she leaves them in her binder, I said, would you happen to have this? It's from October of 2018. And uh, she said, it may be in my binder. Look at at my pew. It's right where I sit. And so I I got this book out, and it has like 
like a hundred bulletins in it. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's going to take me forever to find this, if it's even in here. So I just grabbed a stack halfway through, and there it was. The first one I opened to, I kid you not, Daniel chapter 9. It had all my numbers, all my notes. I don't know how it got erased from my computer, but it did. Um, So I'm going off of some of those notes here. And so what we have to figure out is, first of all, when this prophecy starts. And it says here, it gives us a clue, that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. So that's where we start. We have an exact date for that. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, goes into detail on uh, the king rebuilding, sending the, the people to rebuild Jerusalem. And that comes down to March 5th, 444 B.C. So I think I may have a slide on that. So March 5th, 444 B.C. That's oddly specific, but it lines up in Scripture. We can get that date from Scripture. And we also get it because the Babylonians kept detailed records, and we found records of when this king was in play. So, I think that was the the next slide. I think we have to go back one, maybe. Maybe I messed up the slides. Maybe that's what happened. That's, That's very possible. Anyways, we start from that date. March 5th, 444 B.C. And it said they had 70 weeks, but one week is separated. So 69 weeks of years. Maybe that's the slide it was. 69 weeks of years. So write that down. 69 weeks of years. Seven weeks plus 62 is your 69 weeks. Now, I'm multiplying this by 360 because, stick with me here, Whenever it gives a prophecy into the future, it does not use the same calendar. A calendar year is 365 and a quarter days, and this year is 360. It goes by the lunar calendar. So if you get that number, you multiply 69 by 360, you come up with 173,880 days. Now off the top of your head, can you calculate March 5th, 444 B.C. plus 173,880? You should know it because I've said it at least eight times in here. March 30th, somebody is a genius in here, right? March 30th, 33 B.C., or A.D., I'm sorry, 33 A.D. Till Messiah the Prince walks through the streets of Jerusalem, and this is the first time in his ministry There have been other times where where people tried to crown him right then and there, and Jesus said, it's not yet my time. It's not yet my time. This was his time. He was waiting for the very day that was prophesied in the book of Daniel. Now, if you think the book of Daniel was written in 200 B.C., that's fine, because that's still an amazing prediction. An amazing, to the very day. If you look at the calendar, if if you add it up, those days match exactly And that's exactly when Jesus, the king, sitting on his throne, walks through the streets of Jerusalem in in this amazing passage. And so if if that were just the case, I mean, it it would be pretty amazing. But I, I told Pastor Jim, I was looking through some scriptures, and I just so happened, right, to stumble upon this other scripture, one that you should be very familiar with. It's Psalm 118, verses 22 through 29. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. You all have heard that, right? Who's this talking about? Jesus. 
It's talking about Jesus. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Now listen to this. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Have you all ever heard that one? This is the day the Lord has made. And you know, I've always thought about it. Maybe, maybe this is the way you should think about it. But this is the day the Lord has made. This could be any day, right? It could be today. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. But I think it's talking about a more specific day. And as we read on, I, I, I want to I, I see if it comes to clear. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, where have we heard that before? The triumphal entry, right? Whenever Jesus is walking down the streets and everybody's laying down the palm leaves and they're shouting, Hosanna. They say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This had to happen. I I believe that this is the day the Lord has made. I don't know that it's talking about just any day. Maybe it could be. But I'm almost thinking it's talking about a very specific day. March 30th. 33 A.D. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So we have the prophecy, Daniel chapter 9. We have this amazing verse that talks about the day, right? Because it's very specific. The end of this time will come on a specific day. We see Psalm 118. We see that as you go into the future, March 30th, 33 AD is the day that it had to happen. So point number one is the prophecy. Point number two, the fulfillment of that prophecy. That's the next fill in the blank. Y'all with me this morning? Okay. Okay, we're going to keep going in this. So we're, we're going to be reading primarily from the book of Luke here this morning. Uh, chapter 19, verses 28 through 44. And when Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Now whenever we read about the prophecy, the holy city that it was talking about is Jerusalem. That's where he had to be. And it said, And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite of you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it, just as he had said to them. But as they, as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. It's important that this had to take place, because typically whenever a king comes into a city, a king will ride on a colt that has never been ridden. You remember all the way back at at the, the, the birth of Jesus, whenever the wise men came, they came bearing gifts, right? Very expensive, elaborate gifts. They traveled hundreds of miles through desert, and they came to a king. But it wasn't Jesus. 
It was King Herod first. They could have gave him all of the gifts, but they didn't, did they? They went another way, and they found the true king, the king of kings, and they blessed Jesus with that. Jesus is king. You have to see it throughout all of Scripture. Jesus is king. And until this time, Jesus has stepped back and, and, and waited for his day. I, I believe it was specific. I think he, he knew what was going on in the book of Daniel. Jesus knew from hundreds of years before that this was his day. He had to wait till this very moment. Messiah couldn't have came any other day. It had to have been March 30th, 33 A.D. Messiah can't come any other day. It is that one. Then, verse 37, Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, listen to this, if these should keep silent, even the stones would immediately cry out. Now I wondered about that. I, I thought, what, what does that mean? But Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. And this day was already prophesied hundreds of years before. And there's nothing that is going to come in the way of ruining God's plans for his people. And so even if the people weren't shouting, the stones laying on the ground, the very stones would begin to cry out. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. He saw Jerusalem, the holy city, the one prophesied about, and he began to weep. And he says this, If you had known, even you, especially in this, what does it say next? You're what? Not like a bunch of days. It wasn't an infinite number of days. It wasn't like a random day. It was a specific day. Your day. What day was that? March 30th, 33 A.D. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I don't know if that applies to every day or this day specifically, but I can tell you that any time we can think of Jesus as king, that's something to rejoice about. Amen? That is something that we can, can just praise God over. Something that, that once we recognize it, we'll be throwing our, our coats down so that he can walk on them. We'll be cutting branches off palm trees and laying them down at his feet so he can enter in as he should, as King of kings and Lord of lords. If you had known, even you, especially in this, your day, this very day, the things that make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you one stone upon another, because, because you did not know 
the time of your visitation. You see, the Pharisees were proud. Uh, They didn't want to acknowledge Jesus as king because the king that they were expecting was this mighty warrior to come in and break up the Roman Empire. But instead, Jesus came preaching grace and mercy and truth, the things that shape your heart, because a, a tyrannical kingdom is not going to do anything good, but a changed heart can do many a good thing. And this is all that he was asking, that they recognize him as who he was, the Messiah, the King. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what Jesus was asking of them. If you had known this day that I rode in as King, you confess me as Jesus, as Lord and that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. So we have the prophecy, we have the fulfillment. Number three, the present. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? Um, I, think we can, I think we can just keep reading on in the Gospel of Luke, the very next verse. Uh, Luke nineteen forty five and 46. This is right after the triumphal entry, right after Jesus predicts once again that Jerusalem is going to fall and one stone upon the other will be ripped apart. Verse 45 says this, Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And you might be thinking, Kevin, what does that have to do with with anything for us today? Well, once you accept Jesus as Lord, then he may be, begin to do some house cleaning in our own lives, right? He should. I know that whenever I was saved, the person I have been becoming is different from the person I was before. It should be. I did not have the Holy Spirit of God leading me and guiding me. And the things of the world should never match up to the things of God. And so he's began to shape me. And, and you know what happened? Jesus entered my life and began to clean out <laughs> all the things. And that, that's kind of a, 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 like a, an easy word to say, clean out, right? Um, another word might be he just ripped me apart completely and began to reorganize this temple. We are now the temple. And Jesus wants us to clear out anything that distracts us from him. All the idols, all the things that we worship besides him, he is calling us to get rid of. He says, you, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I want to dwell, and I want to make things right in your life, and I want to lead you in the way that you should go. 1 Peter 1, 15-16 says this, But he who has called you is holy, So you also be holy in all of your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-6 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is is fulfilled. God is calling you to be holy. So there are going to be some things in your life that he's going to enter in and try to take out, and it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. 
It may not be what you want. It may not be in the timing that you want. But he's doing it for a purpose and for a plan and for a reason. And the pain that you receive here is just something that's going to bring you into the future, into who he has called you to be. So that's our fourth point, the future. The future. You see, Jesus wants you to call him king. He wants you to acknowledge him as Lord. But not only that, but to believe that God raised him from the dead, that's, that's pretty incredible. But if you don't, one day in the future, everybody's going to be held accountable for all the things that they've ever done. And we're all going to be, be before the throne of God. And you know what happens then? Every knee bows. It doesn't matter if you've accepted him or not. Every knee will eventually bow. Everybody will be humbled in the presence whenever God Almighty reveals himself. And so whether you acknowledge him now as King of kings and Lord of lords, if you reject him, you'll be kneeling at his feet at the end of time. Isaiah 45, 23 predicts this. This is in the Old Testament. I have sworn by myself... The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That to me, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall take an oath. Philippians 2, 10 through 11, this gives the same description of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, of those on earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Hebrews 3, 7 through 11, this is the point. Hebrews 3, 7 through 11. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today you will hear his voice. Read this next part. Do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. Do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. That's a lesson that I still have to learn each and every day. Because I'll see something that I don't like, and my flesh will begin to just harden my heart. I'll say the wrong things, I'll do the wrong things, I'll make bad decisions. And it's not that God has failed me somehow, it's that I have hardened my heart towards Him. And He's comparing our hearts to the hearts of those who wandered in the wilderness. You see, they wandered for 40 years years in the wilderness. You know, it takes about two weeks to get through that wilderness that they, they could have just passed through in about two weeks, but instead they spent 40 years so that God could soften their hearts. Don't wait 40 years. Don't wait a year. Don't wait a week. Acknowledge, acknowledge Jesus as King and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. He will bring you peace he will bring you joy, and he will bring you comfort. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore I was angry with that generation, said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest." So you have this day, March 30th, 33 A.D. 
that was predicted hundreds of years before it came to pass. Jesus walked in as King of Kings the way he should have. And what that means for us today is that when we acknowledge him, he is going to begin to clean out our temples. He's going to be sweeping away the things that he does not want in our lives. And he is going to be making right the things that we have made wrong. He's going to take evil and turn it into something good. We show testimonies every other Friday of changed lives. And that's exactly what he should be doing in your life. And if he's not, it's because your heart has been hardened to hear from the voice of God. So we're going to close with this. Uh, we're, we're going to pray, but we're going to have just a moment of silence. And I want you to pray and, and ask God, God, is my heart hardened towards you? Lord, can you soften my heart to hear from you? Give me ears to hear. Give me eyes to see. So go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes, and just spend a moment alone with God here in the next minute. Father, we come before you acknowledging you as King of Kings here today. And Lord, I pray that we could leave this place knowing that this is your day. There's a lot of important days, but this day was prophesied. This day came to pass and you entered into your holy city as you should have, as a king. And so, Father, I pray that your kingdom would come, Lord. That we could surrender our hearts and our lives and our minds over to you. That you would break down the strongholds in our lives. That you would cast out the sin that so easily ensnares us. And that you would give us the strength to persevere during trying times. And Father, I pray that we would just soften our hearts to allow trials to shape who we are. Lord, you say to consider it joy. So Father, give us the mindset that you are cleaning out your temples. And that we can rejoice in that. We thank you, Lord, for, for who you are for what you've done in our lives. And I pray, Father, if there's anybody here today who does not know you as King of Kings, as Lord of Lords, that today would be the day of their salvation. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.